straight from WCHO Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show, starring Chris and C.O. Brown. This week, nosotros traemos el fuego with Baltimore Ravens starring center Matt Skura, referee Rich Hallstrom throws the flags, and mucho college basketball talk. Which I prefer to call Habla Fresco del Basketball. Sounds much cooler, yes? Anywho, let's bring them on. Los hermanos con los mejores zapatos. Esta, Deportes de Rivalidad. Bienvenido a Sibling Rivalry Sports, el show deportivo que es Welcome to Sibling Rivalry Sports, the sports show bigger than gigantic Saturday. Puedo encontramos en nuestras nuevas plataformas de podcast. You can find us on our new podcast platforms, as well as here on 97.9 WCHL, which include... Y Melodia. iTunes. Nube de Sonido. SoundCloud. Sintonizar. Tune in. Vaina Modes de Google. Google Podcast. Stitcher. <laughs> Stitcher. Spotify. Spotify. Gracias por tu amor por la manquetella de mani el, y el pescado. Thank you for your, your love of peanut butter and fish. Pescado. No, no, I, I pronounced that wrong. I, hold on. I, pff, never yeah, mind. Forget. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's CL! What's good, man? In the building. I, I don't know if uh, any of your Spanish was correct, but <laughs> I just went along for the ride. Well, our Latino, Latina brethren and sisterin know that I flow <laughs> in the Espanol. Uh, <laughs> or something. Yeah, or something like something. that. Something. Indeed. We got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, next week, we're going to have a Super Bowl spectacular Wee! show. It's going to be real nice. Where we're trying to line up some some really nice guests yes. and, and yes. take a deep dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be holding my nose for most of it. Ha. I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wish the Steelers were in it, but that's okay. But we got a great show lined up. Mm-hmm. We've got... Yo boy <laughs> from the I'll Baltimore Ravens yes. center, former Duke Blue Devil center as well. Matt mm-hmm. Skura yes. is in the building. Well, not literally, yes. but <laughs> as far as they know, the airwaves. Yeah. So let's get it. Let's get after it. Big playback time. Let's go. The big payback. All right. Loan us your consonant, your L for that that little dilly that we bring the segment in with. Um, and our topic, as we just debate a hot topic during the big playback, is Super Bowl L-I-I-I. L.A. Rams versus New England Patriots. Is it watchable? Or Super Bowl lie. <laughs> <laughs> what is the lie? What's the lie, C.O.? <laughs> oh, there are plenty. There are plenty. Really? Let, you you want to start with the officiating problems oh. that the NFL has not even acknowledged. Like, every league, well, at least in the NBA, I know for sure, that they, the NBA officials even have a Twitter account. And they will diagnose calls and, you know, the day after or whatever, they'll break it down for you. Yeah. Um, the NFL hasn't even acknowledged the on-field mistakes at the end of the Saints and uh, Rams game. The, the, 
the pass interference that wasn't called that was blatant. Now I have a, I have a whole other theory on officiating, and, and we've kind of touched upon it before on the podcast. Where I hate when people blame officials. Mm, thank officials you. are human; they are not going to have a perfect game. They are going to miss calls. They never have a perfect. That's game. that's you know that's life. Mm. But your team, your favorite player, your coach. They're not going to have the perfect games either. They're going to mess up plays. They're going to mess up calls. Mm -hmm. So you do as much as you can do to win a game and let the chips fall where they may. But the NFL is just fumbling the ball, as they fumble the ball with with many things when it comes to PR-related issues. So you're saying publicly you feel like they've not publicly or not you feel like they have not publicly acknowledged it. Say, say my bad. Say look, there was a, a an error officiating at the end of the New Orleans Saints or what, whenever it happened at, at, during the New Orleans Saints Los Angeles Rams football game. Just acknowledge the mistake and move on. We're going to do better about it. That's all people that's all we want in in America. Just acknowledge your mistakes, man. Okay, so we're forgiving as in general, we're forgiving. I don't know. I mean, you know, the question would be why acknowledge that mistake? There are other mistakes. Are because mistakes. everybody saw the mistake, and that was a blatant mistake, and that mistake had to do with the outcome. Okay. So you say it had to do, but I know that you are C.L. Brown, therefore you will not say that there was an absolute outcome that would have happened had that gone different. That did not in and of itself lose the Saints the game. Yes. I will not say that. Yes. But it it had an effect on that. I mean, if they call that pass interference play, then that sets the Saints up well. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what line, what yard line they would have advanced to, but... Yeah, I think it's goal to go. You know, that that... That's a huge play they missed. Okay. So just acknowledge we saw it. Like it didn't happen in the locker room and in the tunnel where nobody else knows but the people that were there. Millions of people (laughs) and even millions more on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media saw that play. Yeah, we saw it in super 4K slow mo. Okay. Game speed. Saw it in game speed. Kurt Warner. Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner has pointed something out on social media. I got involved in that social media conversation. Kurt Warner said the referee, there's one referee on the sideline and his back was to the ball, which Benjamin Watson tied in for the Saints, replied, what are you talking about? His back was to the ball. But it was interesting because Kurt Warner's coming from a quarterback's perspective. And he's in the pocket. And so he's saying, all right, I'm in the pocket, and the ref is not facing the pocket. The ref is facing the guys coming towards the sideline. They are watching the players. So when the ball came into the ref's field of view, number one, you got to think of depth of vision, and number two, it's going full speed. It's possible that he just didn't see it that way. He didn't even see the ball come in in time. He just saw bang, and the ball was right there, and he didn't call it. And it's possible that the ref on the back end, because, yes, there was another ref on the back end, the same same kind of thing. They're they're focused not on the ball coming and the guy coming across the field. There's the safety, but they're focused on rather the two players, you know, on the edge of the maybe the one in the back was looking at the sideline or what have you. You never know. You never know. That's a beautiful excuse, but they missed the call. I mean, when it all comes down to it, they missed the call, man. But but that's just one of the reasons why. Right. Now. What happens if this game goes to overtime? You know, uh, uh, the Patriots, their last win over the Falcons, overtime Super Bowl. Nice. And the overtime rules in the NFL, we touched on this before this year in our, in our well, not this 
2019. But since we've been doing the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show, the overtime rules in the NFL are outdated. They need to be redone. No way. Yes. Sudden death must live. Sudden death because it is unique to the NFL. It's one of the hallmarks of the NFL. They've already altered it a little bit. The NFL is unique to the NFL. We're the only country that plays football like this. You're talking about a world perspective. I'm talking about an American perspective. You know, yes, we're the only country that plays football like this. But within our culture and our country, the NFL is unique from college football. It does some things. It's not supposed to go from college to the NFL, it's supposed to go the other way around. And the NFL leads the way, and and sudden death needs to live. Listen, CLCL, do what the Rams did. In overtime, the Rams took the ball back from the Saints, and that's how they won the game. I know everybody is saying, well, uh, Patrick Mahomes lost to a coin flip. Take the ball back. You've got to play defense. That's unfortunately for this gentleman and his his family. That's why the defensive coordinator is out of a job. But what you're doing is saying we play four quarters. We we want to see the best teams advance. We we want to see this high level. And after if it, if it goes into overtime, then it's just kind of it, it. It's almost like the rules change to me. Like why why wouldn't you want both teams to have a shot with the ball? Why why wouldn't you want more college football overtime? can be some of the most exciting games. It can take a game that was average through four quarters and go into that overtime period. Then, oh, man, the pressure is on. Every offensive series, every time you switch balls or whatever, the pressure is on every play. That's a beautiful thing to watch. Why can't the NFL do They don't have to do it exactly like that. They, they could tweak it and do it a little differently than college football does. But the concept of allowing both teams to have the ball, it, sh- it shouldn't be that far-fetched. And you talk about it should move from the NFL to college. College football has been... Over the over the recent past, the innovative brand of football, the NFL right, is taken okay, for college right now. I, I'll give you that over the recent past. I'll give you it hasn't always been that way, but I will give you over the recent past. We've seen a lot of things, especially, you know, um, uh, the RPO type offense. So, CL, you say that the Super Bowl is not watchable. Nah, I'm good on the Super Bowl. I'm watching it. It's going to be a great game, in my opinion. Let me know what happens. I will. (laughs) All right, folks. You can let us know what happens by listening to these messages from our sponsors, people that keep us on air, and then come on back for a great interview with starting center for the Baltimore Ravens and Duke University graduate Matt Skura, right here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. And we are joined today with a, a, a good, a local boy gone good. Local as in, you know, alma mater here on Tobacco Road. Duke graduate, starting center for the Baltimore Ravens. Helped that run game just blow up in the last half of the season. Also, one of the top-ranked centers from Pro Football Focus for the 2018 season. Please put your hands together and your ears 
close to your streaming device for number 68 on the football field, but number one in your heart, Matt Skura. Matt, welcome to the show, my brother. Appreciate you guys having me. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. How, how, now, how have you matriculated into the offseason? How, how has that transition been for you and your wife? Uh, it's pretty uh, abrupt, uh, stopping the season and then starting into the off season. So um, my wife and I, we got all of our stuff packed up that we needed. Um, it was mostly closed from our townhome in Baltimore. And within two days, we had um, gotten everything back to Charlotte. So it's pretty quick transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's nice being back in Charlotte. And uh, we've organized most of our stuff uh, into our house here now that we had from Baltimore. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, quick transition. Some other guys, uh, they want to spread it out a little bit longer, but we just kind of ripped the Band-Aid off. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I was going to ask about that because the hopes were so high. Uh, you know, the team made that huge comeback from being four and five. You know, winning six out of the last seven, um, and and then earning the AFC North crown, making the playoffs, and playing a team that you know previously you had beaten like a drum out in Los Angeles. So after the outcome of that game, I'm sure that was tough to deal with and tough to kind of have to pack it up and everything. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we, I think, I can kind of speak for the team. Like, I felt like we knew that we had a lot more football left to play. Mm -hmm. And even when we were playing Cleveland in the last game, like, guys were like, yeah, it doesn't even feel really like the very last game of the season because we know we just have so much more to uh, obtain. And so when your season ends that way, especially in the playoffs, it's really tough to recover from. And just like mentally, I think, uh, is the biggest part because you just replay the game in your head. You say, you, you know, you just keep on saying, what if this, what if that? And, uh, no, it's definitely tough, especially, you know, sitting on the couch and watching other teams play. It's, it's hard. Well, was it hard? You know, what you what you probably might have heard from a lot of Ravens fans the week after, after you know, the, the L.A. Chargers go to New England and get doinked right out of there, and New England ran the ball right down their throat. I, was that something talk about that from your perspective was that difficult to swallow what what was that like for you yeah no it definitely was because you know you just think to yourself we could have especially offensively just played a lot better and you know if we just had a few more plays um here or there you win the game you go up to new england and you know we see what happened with the chargers you're like man like what if we got to play the Patriots and then what, you know, you just play all those what ifs. And mm-hmm. That's what it also just makes it really hard too. Um, just after seeing the result of the Patriots and Chargers game, we're just like, man, like if we were there, could it have been like a different story? You know, it, and that's what makes it tough, especially for the playoffs because um, you keep winning and then next thing you know, you're in the Super Bowl, And so, Getting into the playoffs, you never know when that chance is going to come again mm-hmm. uh, in your career. And so 
just when you're in it and then when you lose um, early in the playoffs or even whenever you lose in the playoffs, like you just think of just all the possibilities that could have happened and all the what-ifs. And that's what just makes it really tough because you just want to go all the way and you want to have that opportunity to play for a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Matt, this is CL chiming in. So, w- w- as a competitor, when, once everything, your season is done, are you the type to, are you still going to watch the Super Bowl, or are you, like, you're disgusted that you're not competing in that game and you don't want to have any parts of it? Um, I think, like, two days after the our loss, I was like, I'm not watching, you know, I'm not watching <laughs> any football, da 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 and then, um, you know, now I've, I've watched all the games um, up until this point, all the uh, NFC and AFC championship games, and I'll watch the Super Bowl as well. Um, I think I just enjoy watching football too much to, like, not want to see it. And so, um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely be watching and, you know, be thinking, man, like, we were there. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be tough, but... Uh, I'll still be excited, and uh, I think it'll still be a good game. So uh, I wanted I wanted to dip back with you to your time at Duke and and playing for Coach Cutliffe. Um, uh, obviously, now you're part of of a great rivalry with the Steelers um, in the NFL. But how would you describe the football rivalry? I'll, uh, everybody talks about basketball, but how would you describe the football rivalry between Duke and Carolina? Yeah, I think um, it had really has really grown since I have um, been there, and I think the rivalry kind of got back on track. I think it was 2012 when Jameson Crowder made like the crazy touchdown catch. Um, I remember that. Where it was like on fourth down on like the ten yard line. Uh-huh. And when we finally had beat Carolina for the first time in a while, I think that really rejuvenated the whole rivalry. I think then it became more of a meaningful game because Duke had just struggled not only against Carolina, but just in general with football. And so I think the rivalry had lost some of its flavor. And so with us, you know, going to bowl games and competing for – ACC championships and those things, I think that really revitalized the whole rivalry that we had against Carolina, and it made it a lot more fun, too, um, going to Carolina and beating them at their place in 2013 um, to eventually win the Coastal Division and go on to play the ACC championships. So those things just have definitely grown over time, and now it's um, definitely a bigger game. The crowds are larger. People are getting into it more. Uh, Durham and Chapel Hill, like the cities are getting even more into it, especially on the football side. So it's been really cool to see how it's grown and how it's going to continue to grow. What people might not know about your career path and what makes it so awesome is that you can't, you came out of Duke and you signed with the Ravens as, as a free agent, a rookie free agent. And then um, you, you were signed to the practice squad at first. So you remember the practice squad. In fact, folks, that's how I met Matt Skurv. It's because he, we covered him. We did an article series with the Baltimore Ravens website called Squad Goals. And, and Matt, you're, you're actually the only member of the Squad Goals that remains with the team. You know, Not the only member in the NFL, but the only member that remains with the Ravens and made it to the 53 and is intact on the 53. 
agree. My question to you is, looking back at practice squad in general, how helpful was it? And, you know, how sure, looking back, how sure were you that you would be able to be where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that practice squad year, um, my rookie year was huge for me, you know. Um, just understanding what it's what it means to be an NFL player daily, um, weightlifting, studying, uh, getting better on technique. And I kind of think back of it now as kind of like a redshirt year um, in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I just needed more time to physically develop, uh, mentally develop, uh, understanding the game. And, you know, fortunately, I, we just have a really good um, – then we did and still do now a really good offensive line room um one of the people that i leaned on was marshall yonda um my rookie year i just happened to sit next to him during meetings mm-hmm. and you know just every once in a while just ask him a question about how do you watch film how do you see this play um working out or what's your footwork here mm-hmm. and you know just those little tips and just watching him play watching him practice uh, for a full season, um, really just opened my eyes about how to be a professional football player, what it takes. Um, and so looking back on it now and everything, it's pretty crazy how things unfolded. Um, last year even, was on practice squad for two weeks, Marshall gets hurt, and I ended up starting 12 games at right guard. Mm-hmm. And then that just kind of like put me on a great trajectory. And so I carried that experience into – uh, this last year's off season and um, you know filling in the role for starting center it's been awesome so definitely uh, been a crazy ride some ups and downs but you know uh, definitely got to take this opportunity and run with it okay so one more question then we're going to get to your Super Bowl pick um what is the difference? They're both great guys, clearly. The quarterbacks Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson. what is the difference in the huddle between those two? any any noticeable difference? Um, you know, it's there's really nothing like really too crazy that's like noticeably different. Um, I would say Lamar's like he's pretty reserved, like in the huddle, like um, doesn't get like too amped up or too low or anything. Where you know Joe, he gets like pretty pumped up. Like if we're if we need to make like a first down and third and short, or if it's fourth and one or we're in the red zone need to make a score you know joe's like ready to go he's ready to roll and i never seen that side of joe before so that's kind of funny <laughs> and uh you know lamar um he's kind of stays cool and then once he makes those plays you know he's going crazy so it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see um how those two guys differ a little bit you know it, it works for you know their personalities but um yeah as far as like getting to play to us and those sorts of things it's really um nothing too crazy different but it is interesting to see you know different personalities during the game awesome insight that that's insight you won't get many other places folks so thank you for that matt all right it's time for your super bowl pick have you had even have you even had time to think about it like who who do you think is going to win or who are you going for either team or what does that look like you know i was just thinking about it recently um you know with me just the position I play, I always think about offensive-defensive line play. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be the really big matchup in this game. I think it's going to be 
the Patriots O-line versus the Rams defensive line. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to see that matchup all game because the Patriots have been playing great um, on their offensive line. And, you know, the Rams have, you know, Donald Sue, uh, Dante Fowler. um, So, they, I mean, just a bunch of great guys. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I don't. I, I, it's hard for me to pick. Um, one thing that I don't know why, but like when a team wins, like say like the Rams won in that crazy fashion, like I worry does that moment like build up so much that the next game they're not going to be ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so maybe I lean towards the Patriots because you know they kind of they did have an overtime win, but. There was no controversy. It was kind of like drove right down the field and scored and ended it. Um, so that, that's just kind of interesting to see how those two stories play out. But I'm really interested to see uh, the offensive line play on both sides of the ball, too. Um, it, I think it's going to be really a really good game. I, I want to say Rams, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very good at picking uh, just one or the other. It's going to be a great game. Yes, agreed. Well, you know, that that's actually part of our show is where deba- we've debated about whether that's going to be a good game or not. But I, I tend to agree with you. I think it'll be a watchable game. And uh, either way, though, we can agree that uh, we're appreciative of your spending some time with us. Would love to have you back in the future. Wish you, your wife, your family a great off season, a relaxed off season, and then. Uh, just uh, coming back fresh in the fall for, for yet another time, yet another time of running that rock. So thank you so much, Matt, for joining us here on Sibling Rivalry Thanks, Matt. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Hope to be back on soon. Yes, sir. Indeed. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill, and we're chilling with Rich Hallstrom, co-author of Thunder Sports Network, longtime sports reporter, and we affectionately call the right hook from the left coast. What's up, big dog? All kinds of good stuff, gentlemen. Good to be with you once again on the eve of the Super Bowl, exactly. Which you and I have uh, participated in uh, from a media standpoint and have some inside thoughts. You know, l- let's talk about that for a second. The book Thunder Sports Network: How a, a Con Man and a Cripple Wound Up on the Sideline of the Super. What uh, that you know, the heart of that book is the Super Bowl experience. Rich, what stands out f- about that? What do you? You know, that's in the book. What's something that's in the book that stands out about that? Well, I would say our conversation with Troy Polamalu. Yeah, that's true. One of the true. best safeties oh my gosh. in NFL history. True. Very, very humble and very, very team-oriented. One of the best conversations and interviews I ever had. Yeah, and unfortunately, Pittsburgh hadn't had a playmaker on defense since he retired to that level. Yeah. Okay, I can agree with that. I was going to say, I could see CL just standing there doing that conversation with a lone tear running down his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> but that was because that would be, Rich, that would be because they won. That wouldn't even be because of what Palomalu was, so how much grace <laughs> that brother was showing. I think Actually, they need about four Troy Palomalus on Pittsburgh's defense, and then they'll have things uh, righted. 
That's another topic for another day. There you go. There you go. Uh, a part of the book that I really liked was talking to CL in the stands, how we how we did that and how we documented that. Because, you know, we CL was there at that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 40, and we talked to him. We interviewed him in the stands. That was just a great moment there. Um, so, yeah, that, that book is out there, folks. Thunder Sports Network, uh, it's, it's out there, barnesandnoble.com. All right, Referee Rich, it's time to kick it in. Let's just get your music going. It's time for Referee Rich to navigate a debate. Referee Rich. I got the flag, the flag that everyone watches out for. (laughs) We are ready to roll. Got two flags. Okay, the red flag and the yellow flag. Referee Rich, let's go with question number one. What are we talking? What are we debating? Question number one. World-renowned tennis pro Serena Williams lost in the Australian Open quarterfinals earlier this week. Have we seen the last Grand Slam championship won by Serena Williams? Are we really asking this question? I'll, I'll go first on this because this is this is silly almost. Serena beat the current world number one Simona Halep in the uh, round of 16 in the Australian Open. She was up 5-1 in the third set to Karolina Pliskova before her ankle kind of tweaked her ankle and she ended up losing, uh, losing the third and decisive set. She most definitely will win another and another after that because oh. she's on the verge of tying Margaret Court 24 Grand Slam uh, all-time record. And come on, she she's the greatest doing it right now. You think she's going to let her will kind of crumble on the verge of, of being number one, no question? Come on now. Wow. You know, based on his pronunciation of those Russian names, I almost, those Russian names, I almost want to just take a knee for that, just, just based on that alone. But no, I, I must differ on this one, oh, ref. Um, I I think that we have I you know I love Serena I think that Serena is the Michael Jordan of female tennis it's been so fun to watch her just dominate over the years that that to me you know for my money that is far more entertaining than male tennis I mean I'm just saying that, that's just me but men's tennis but anyway uh, yeah she's 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 a mom now she's married life is different I just think you know, it's 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 time to slow down. She's had a wonderful career. That that's just my opinion of it. Chris, I gotta throw I gotta throw a flag on you because the fact that she's a new mom has nothing to do with her athletic ability and nothing to do with her ability to dominate. Ref, so I'm, I okay, I'm trying to be nice. The so way I'm phrasing it. On that <laughs> I gotta throw a flag on that reasoning, and I gotta give point number one to CL because Serena Williams is the best tennis player in the world. Period, man or woman. Hands down. Hands. I think you should throw him out the game, Rich. Hands down, flag up. The league will be hearing about that one. What's next? All right, we're gonna go a little more off, more off our usual topics that we talk about, and talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, as they elected a new 2019 class featuring Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, Roy Holiday, and uh, Mike Bucina. Almost forgot about Mike Bucina, uh, veteran pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. Well, that brings up the question. Do baseball legends Barry Barnes and Roger Clemens 
ever have a chance of getting into Cooper's town without performance in the NCAA. <laughs> so, you know, okay, there's another complaint to the league just about the way the question was posed <laughs> right there. Wow. Yes, they're going to get in without the... Huh? I could, I could not resist. I had to go. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, they're gonna get in without performance enhance, enhancing drugs, and also they're gonna get in. Period. And the reason is because they are both legends in their own right. How you gonna keep the rocket out? Come on, think about his career. That guy was incredible. I'm not even that big of a pro baseball fan. That guy is incredible. He was an incredible lights out pitcher. And Barry Bonds, that era was really the last time that I was really invested in the baseball. The guy watching him knock that ball out of the park on, on two different parts, portions of the country, you know, Pittsburgh, out, out of the Bay Area. That guy was incredible to watch. And I know purists are like, well, they had the tail end of their careers where this and that happened. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. That's why it's taking so long. But cut them a break. These guys were excellent, and they deserve to be in the hall. I suppose you never heard the name Pete Rose. <laughs> Pete Rose was a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. He never got in. He was he was banned from eligibility or whatever. And surely at the time in the '80s, we were like, oh, he's gonna get it. Like they're gonna they're gonna make amends. He'll be in at some point. It's 2019. Pete Rose still is not in the league. Bonds and Clemens are not getting in. And and I'll, I'll leave you with, with one other thing. Um, and this reminds me of Snoop from The Wire, who once famously said, Deserves got nothing to do with it. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Bonds and Clemens deserve to be in, but they're not going to get in because the writers who vote for the Hall of Fame in baseball can be extremely petty. As evidenced by Mariano, Mariano Rivera being the only one to be, be voted in unanimous, unanimously. After all of this time, he's the only one ever to be unanimously voted into the hall. So Bonds and Clemens, I don't think, stand a chance. What say you, ref? Oh, man, this is, this is a tough one. Two good, argu- two good arguments on both Two good arguments on both sides. But, you know, one thing that CL did bring up is the personal nature of this voting. And that's why I got to give it to him. Because the baseball writers in America <laughs> the crowd have a long crazy. memory. And they don't like anybody going against the, going against the system. So I got to give it to CL. Hands down, once again. Hands that way. Hands down. Like, if the, well, if the writers don't like you, they don't like you. You ain't going nowhere. They're gonna die out. <laughs> <laughs> Not in three years. <laughs> All right, ref Rich, we we gotta hurry up. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, let's go back to Rich Hallstrom persona because I'm gonna complain. I'm gonna file like 50 complaints against referee Rich. But the but, but Rich Hallstrom, sports reporter. What do you say, real quick? about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 53, who's going to win? Patriots, hands down. Best coach, best quarterback. The Rams don't have a chance. 27-10, Patriots. May I throw a flag on you right now because you're a Seattle Seahawk and uh, you've covered them and everything, and you hate the Rams, man. Come on. Jared Goff can't carry Tom Brady's. Okay, and with that... (laughs) 
I know, I, I know Rich Hall's is not even going to finish that sentence, but okay. All right, we get what you're saying, Referee Rich. Actually, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, and everybody join us join us in, in wishing Referee Rich, Rich Hallstrom, a happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday. It was earlier in the week. Happy birthday to you, and I hope you have a great, blessed year. But thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, guys. Welcome back to 97.9 The Hill Sibling Rivalry Sports. We're going to dive into college basketball right now. I want to actually take a step away from the court. First of all, noting Jay-Z was at the Duke-Pittsburgh game on Tuesday night. Um, I seem to th- I feel like that was strategic. That wasn't just Jay Z. Uh, lyrically, you can tell he's always up on pop culture and, and who's hot and what's was you know. And then Duke and Zion Williamson definitely is when you're looking at college basketball as a casual fan, they're a hot team. But I think it was strategic for Rock Nation to be able to sign one of these kids once they they decide to go pro, which will probably be after this year for, for a couple of them at least, uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Um, I think it was a little bit strategic. You can see in the line when they're going to shake hands and ESPN cameras are still on uh, Barrett and Zion, they were looking in the direction of Jay Z. It was almost like, "Hey, what's what's he doing?" You see him over there. You know what I mean? Oh, they were awesome. looking. But uh, wait, wait, what's Rock Nation? What is that? Rock Nation. He went into he he. They basically are a sports agency. Okay. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Course, uh, among course, other things, course, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So they represent they represent people, and I'm sure he would love to represent them. But uh, that's neither here nor there. That has, that's never scored anybody any points pointing those kind of things out. <laughs> you had so some cool. strong opinions about Carolina basketball after their win against Virginia Tech. CL, if you take the Carolina team that played from 12 minutes in the first half on throughout the end of the game, I firmly believe that Carolina team cannot be beaten. That Carolina team can whoop. That's right, I said whoop, Duke. That Carolina team can beat anyone in the nation. Let me Let me channel Bart Scott. Anybody can be beat, first and foremost. (laughs) But that Carolina team, we have seen that version in just in snapshots. We saw that team play Gonzaga and and beat a very good Gonzaga team that still didn't have, wasn't full strength, but beat a very good Gonzaga team. But CL, as you wrote in your article, though, this was a turning of a corner, right? It could be. That's the question I'm asking. It could be. And that's because I feel like Nasir Little... um, he had his his best game all around. He's coming around on the defensive end, and uh, if he can be that wild card for Carolina, then yes, that team can go far. But the problem with relying on freshmen, which you know you got Kobe White, who also had arguably his best game of the year, even though he didn't score great a season game. high or anything, he had he had a great game. Um, you, you you don't know about their consistency sometimes. So that's going to be what I look at from here, you know, moving forward, just how consistent can those guys stay. But we don't have a lot of time, so we're going to have to wrap things up there. Another successful show in our awesome eyes. Show. Great, <laughs> Great guest this week. Even though you cheated in Referee Rich. Yeah, it's, it's always I cheated. But <laughs> thank you all for tuning in to Sibling Rivalry Sports. I'm C.L. Brown. And I'm Chris Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Ew!